0: Welcome back to the Longest Road Podcast. I'm Josh Williams, your host. And on today's episode, our first one in almost nine months, we sit down with Joe Hart, president of the South Bend Cubs, for a part two, a special look back at his first 10 years at the helm of the South Bend Cubs, and also taking a look back at how he navigated an organization through a pandemic, and still navigating as we speak. To enjoy the interview, and if you have any tips or suggestions, please reach out Would love to hear who you would like to have on the longest road. I'm joined today here on the longest road by uh, South Bend Cubs President Joe Hart. Um, it's been actually almost a year since we sat down for the first rendition of uh, this episode of taking a look in depthly at Joe Hart. So let's start back. How
1: have you been? Yeah, I mean, the perfect name to the show, the longest road, because that's <laughs> that's what it's felt like this summer. Um, you know, it's obviously I'm in good health. My family's been in good health, um, but yeah, it's been a trying summer. You know, much like it has been for anybody. I mean, uh, I'm a diehard baseball guy. It's you know what I do, and uh, not have baseball played at Four Winds Field this past summer with the South Bend Cubs was was certainly a challenge and one that I've never experienced. I've been in the business 26 years and. You know, I never thought ever that there would be a season without baseball. Not in your wildest dreams. No, huh? no, not at all. And uh, so it was a different summer. I mean, it was. There were some benefits too. I mean, obviously, I got to see my family a lot more than than normal. Um, but. You know, it's, uh, it, it was a very different summer. And, and again, you, we just kind of rolled with it and did what we could do and still did some events and wanted to be good community partners for the city of South Bend and Michiana.
0: That's outstanding. We have a lot to cover here on this episode. One, this is actually going to be two, 2021 completes your decade, your first decade here, yeah, correct?
1: it's hard to believe. So uh, we've got
0: a little bit of looking back to do at where Joe Hart started here and how we've gotten here. And you've gotten to see your major league team as yeah. well. Bring home a World Series Yeah including you
1: guys here bringing home the Midwest League Championship yeah. as well. So Yeah, it's, it's been an amazing run. I mean, I remember pulling into town, um, you know, what was, I think it was January 29th of 2012, getting ready for that season. So, yeah, this will be, you know, season 10, I guess, maybe season 9 with an asterisk since there wasn't one in uh, 2020. But, uh, no, it was, uh, it, you know, I sit back and try to reflect, and I think that's the hardest thing. And, you know, as I get older now, you know, I try to do that more often. Sit back and reflect on what the last nine and a half years has been like. Because, you know, when I first got here, you get here at the end of January. You're less than 90 days away. You're getting ready to start five million dollars in renovations, and you got to have that done by opening day. I don't really, quite honestly, remember much from that first year because it was a just blur, right? it was just a blur. It was just you show up. You know, I would get here in the morning around 8 or 9 o'clock. I'd work till 7, go home, have dinner with my family. Once they went to sleep, I'd come back to the stadium around 10 o'clock at night, work till 3 or 4 in the morning, get a few hours of sleep, and do it all over again. And that's what I remember. But I don't really remember a lot of the highlights uh, of that year. And, you know, and, and now, you know, here we are several seasons later, I really try to sit back and reflect on, you know, you know i think as a, as we were talking earlier you know the date we had the meeting with you know Theo Epstein and Jason McLeod you know here in the owner suite talking about hey we think South Bend is a perfect place for your affiliation and you know then that comes through which that was a game changer for our organization and also our community and then the cubs win the world series in 16 19 we win the Midwest League championship which hadn't been done since 2005 so you know there were a lot of things that happened over this last you know, uh, nine and a half, 10 years that aren't things that happen very frequently. You know, I'd been in the business for 25 26 years i'd never been with a minor league team where their major league affiliate won a world series it's a little more special when you can say it was the cubs Absolutely. you know 108 years and you get to be a part of that you know and then even with the midwest league championship i mean it had been you know 14 years since the franchise won a championship and to be a part of that and you know all the different things and you know watching the city grow i mean when i got to town i remember you know i'd leave you know, I'd go home at five o'clock and, you know, you'd drive through downtown and it was it was like a ghost town. And now, you know, take COVID out of it. But before that, downtown was hustling, and bustling. You couldn't find parking and it. So downtown has grown and the city itself is is just been awesome. And it's a lot of great people and a lot of great friends. So without a doubt, uh, a lot of memories uh, from the first 10 years. And I'll make sure the next 10 years I sit back and try to enjoy a little bit more of it.
0: You know, you said one thing that, that really sticks out to me. Growth. Yeah, Speaking of growth, let's talk about how Joe Hart grew yeah. over the course of this 10 years, right? Yeah. Cuz there there were a lot of life moments also that happened for you along the way. So, let's talk about what exactly how you grew over the course of that time because I mean, uh, you know, even in, in this age that we are now, we're all still learning and growing. Yeah. And I think in, in sports altogether, we adopt that mentality to never stop learning, yeah. never stop being coachable. Yeah. So what about you?
1: Well, I think the biggest thing is, you know, every day is a new opportunity. Um, I think probably the biggest thing transition or the learning experience for me was managing a staff and changing a culture of an organization. Um, When I got here, you know, there was a staff in place and, um, you know, most of those folks are not here. I think there's only one staff member that's still with the organization. So yeah, there were some changes that had to be made there. And it was really building a brand new culture of what we wanted and what the expectations were. Whereas most of my career I was somewhere where it was already established relationship, established culture, a successful franchise and that just wasn't the case when I got here. And then really the fun aspect uh, of it is, and and this is the one thing I reflect on the most, my wife and I talk about it still pretty often. I remember when the article came out in the South Bend Tribune that Andrew Berlin bought the ball club uh, and he was hiring a guy named Joe Hart from Port Charlotte, Florida to run in the South or the Charlotte Stone Crabs baseball team. Um, I remember, you know, you always read the comments that people put, you know. You know uh, what we
0: thought? We were like, who the hell is Joe well, Hart?
1: Exactly. And there were even more comments like, what an idiot. Oh, no. How way. much better are we going to really? be? Yeah, the guy's moving from Florida to South Bend, Indiana in January. That was the thing. So my no wife way. took it personal. That it was just funny. She's like, how, how are people writing this? They don't know you. And I'm like, that's just what it is. And, you know, I get it. People are thinking, the South Bend franchise at that point in time, there was no there was no excitement around it. It people really looked at it as unfortunately, yeah, it was something that happened, but nobody cared. So I could see how people were like, "Why is this guy moving from Florida to come to South Bend to run a team that nobody cares about?" Um, but for me, I, that was a challenge. You know, I'm a baseball guy, and you know, I went back and looked at the history. I saw that the team used to draw 250,000 people plus. Um, so to me, I knew my thought and anticipation coming into this is the franchise it was fundamentally broken um, the culture wasn't there. The customer service wasn't there. You know, it's not like South Bend's population decreased by 50%. Right, and that's why the right. attendance dropped. So it was an excitement and I took it on as a challenge. And, I'm, you know, I got the best owner in baseball and Andrew Berlin. He's been phenomenal along the way. Um, you know, for him, he's put his money where his mouth is. He said, I'm going to invest in the facility, which he's done. That's why it looks entirely different today. He's built apartments. Um, so, you know, I had a great owner. It doesn't certainly happen without him. But, you know, those are some of the things I do reflect back on. So now I take Take a lot of pride in, you know, when I stop somewhere wearing a South Bend Cubs polo and people are like, hey, you know, great season last year. You won the championship. Or, hey, I see you guys have won five in a row. People now take notice in this franchise again. And to me, that's where the excitement is. This is not just a South Bend club anymore. It really is a regional draw. You know, we were actually um, putting together some numbers the other day, just kind of looking at our ticket demographics. And, you know, 49% 49% of our fan base comes from St. Joe County. 51% comes from outside St. Joe County. No kidding. And when I got here, my guess it was probably 85-90% St. Joe County and the rest wow. was outside. But I mean think about it, 51% wow. are coming from outside of St. Joe County. That is incredible. A- yeah. And you know a lot of that, obviously, no doubt, is the Cubs affiliation. I mean, I think of our uh, tenants, 3% are people that come from Illinois, and that's obviously the Cubs factor. People want to see the up-and-coming players. Um, But at the end of the day, I mean, 49% come from this county, but it just shows the attraction of outside uh, of just South Bend. It's not just a South Bend thing anymore.
0: Where would you say, and I'm probably putting you on the spot with this, but where would you say, outside market-wise, where, what's the best county? That, or where are you guys
1: drawing the Probably most from? Elkhart County. Yeah, Elkhart County doesn't well. have a lot of baseball there. No, right? no, Elkhart County does well. Um, you know. LaPorte County does well. Um, I think that T- Kosciuszko County did very well for us, which for us is kind of exciting because that's kind of the middle ground between us and our arch nemesis, the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. <laughs> so anytime we can get the folks from Warsaw and and Kosciuszko County to come here, we consider that a win. Um, but no, it was just exciting to see that. And uh, about 17% of the fan base is coming from Michigan, which obviously, you know, you say Michigan, people are thinking they're driving miles and miles and hours away. I get it. It's just a couple miles away up the road but still 17% of our fan base is coming from you know Michigan or the Michigan counties around us so it has let us know that we've done a good job getting the word out about what we are as an organization and it lets people know it lets us know that people enjoy coming out to the ballpark I mean as much as i'm a baseball guy i'll say it you know to the day that i die is we're more than just about baseball we're selling experiences and our goal is to be number one in making memories because at the end of the day that's what it's about people want to come out and have a I good time that. with their family you know yeah it's nice when we win don't get me wrong but you know five years from now people don't remember the score of the game that they're at but they remember running the bases with their son or daughter or grandson or granddaughter Absolutely. that's what people remember um you know, And that's, for me, what, what I enjoy doing, and that's why I like working at the minor league level. So it would be safe to say that um,
0: – and, you know, the longest road and part of the whole reason for this podcast is to take folks who have, you know, see, been in your position right there and have traveled this adversity through the road that they're on. And um, over the 10 years, you had all of the adversity yeah. literally in your face.
1: Yeah. It was it was there. You know, you get here to a franchise it's you know um, – just, I don't want to say they didn't care, but it they just didn't appreciate what they had, I guess, or it's just it became stale and and I guess yeah maybe at the end of the day people didn't care anymore. They'd go to maybe one game a year and that was it, um, you know. So. so what what made you and, and
0: this is gonna be very black and white, but what made you care so much?
1: What um, bought you? What sold you on this
0: city, on this town, on this vision? Even when it was the Arizona. Yeah,
1: I think it was just the opportunity. I had worked for mature franchises. I had the opportunity to do a complete startup in Port Charlotte, Florida, and then here the opportunity to take something that was once a crown jewel of the community and really just trying to rub the dust off it and bring the shine back to it is really what was the motivation for me. And then you get here and you meet people in the community that there were so many people when I first got here, you know, that would be like, "Hey, come with me to this meet. Let me introduce you to so and so." So there were so many people that were so gracious that didn't need to be, um, and that was unbelievable to me. That was unbelievable to me. And then it just then it became personal. It's like now I want to succeed for this community for the way they supported us, and you know, that's why you know every year it's like I'm I'm going all in because this community has given so much to me uh, from a work standpoint. But also more from a personal and, and family standpoint. And that's and that's what I truly enjoy. And you know, every year that's what we set our minds out to do is how do we get bigger, how do we get better? Um, and provide the best experience possible. We're
0: talking with Joe Hart, president of the South Bend Cubs here on the longest road podcast. We're gonna take a quick break, but when we come back, we have more of this interview with Joe Hart. And in fact, folks, we are at Fort Winsfield, sitting inside the owner suite with Joe Hart. Welcome back to the Longest Road Podcast. I am Josh Williams, and I'm joined today with Joe Hart, President of the South Bank Cubs. And we're sitting inside the owner's box at Fort Winsfield. Uh, thank you again for allowing us to be here and showing us the lay of the land. Um, we're talking everything over the last decade, but we're also talking... The last year that yeah. might have seemed more than more longer than the decade itself.
1: Yeah, it uh, it was definitely a, a long road. Um, you know, for me, it was, you know, we were we won the championship. We got the championship rings in. Um, we flew out to uh, spring training. I want to say it was March 10th or 11th um to give the players the rings during spring training they we were actually um recognized before what ultimately ended up being the cubs last spring training game because then they shut down spring training no so kidding. we were actually uh at sloan park we were in arizona uh, i think it was a wednesday night we gave the players their rings recognized next morning boom spring training's off you got the bird's eye view to this then world world our world came to uh a complete halt I so mean what was that like
0: being inside like that or I mean you, cause, I mean, you can't be yeah. any closer than that yeah, to when you, the major you, leagues you, are receiving you, that news
1: you could not be and it was it felt surreal yeah um but then also it was just probably being a little bit naive you know like okay this is happening and you know, we'll give it four or five weeks this will be done and over with and then we'll get right back at it um and I think that was really the biggest thing is just kind of underestimating uh the power of what this pandemic has done it was you know it was early on but yeah you literally thought it would be a four or five week thing and uh and then you get right back at it and then you get in you get back and now you're into april still no news things aren't getting any better um and then may hits and then at that point the realization starts to set in that man there may not be a minor league baseball season so what are we going to do now you know we've had to do some staff furloughs, um, which for me, that was probably the hardest thing that I've done in my career. So when you talk about me as a person growing, that was probably uh, one of the biggest challenges. I mean, I remember that week leading up to it. You know, couldn't sleep at night. I mean, these are people that, one, have have worked extremely hard for this organization. Um, People that uh, I know uh, from a friend standpoint, also respect from a work standpoint. And here you are, having to deliver in the news to you know probably at that point in time, almost seventy percent of the staff. Oh, wow! Um, so for me, it was what can I do? Um, to make this as easy for them um so i took the time and you know i I went through kind of what they made payroll wise and then kind of what the benefits they would be through you know the unemployment and the extra 600 dollars a week and you know um we kept their insurance for them so there were a lot of things and you know it was many of my staff members came back um you know just over time just Checking in, how things are going, uh, because a lot of them are still, unfortunately, on furlough uh, until probably uh, February uh, once we get a schedule. But I think the biggest thing was is they appreciated how the situation was handled. They understood it. Um, They knew it certainly wasn't, you know, uh, my fault. And the biggest thing I told them is, you know, lot of more working at home at the time so they had their computers at home and all that stuff like hey that stuff you're still part of the staff don't turn in your keys you are still part of the staff and and i think that was the biggest thing is as hard as it was it was looking at each person and just being 100 percent transparent as i don't know when this is going to end um and we're just going to have to take it by ear and stay in contact
0: well I'm hats off to you guys for you know and to you Joe for for doing that because i'm I'm sure that the appreciation has felt immensely yeah. throughout that at least i mean it's a tough situation yeah. to be in but you tried your best to to make a, a, a bad situation yep. A little bit okay
1: And that was the thing And, and that was just the hope If if I could do anything To at least make it A little bit easier And you know The good thing is You know The majority of our staff A lot of them were younger They were single So it, it wasn't like It was you know A 45 year old With a wife And three kids right. Um you know, so we tried to do as much as, as we could uh, from that aspect of it. But, you know, and, and there were even some that, quite honestly, that, you know, throughout this process have contacted me and said, hey, I have another job opportunity. What do you think? Um, and I've just, again, been honest and said, man, I love you here. But, you know, if this is what you need to do, I think you should take it because I still cannot tell you when I'm going to be able to bring you back. And that hurts because a lot of those people were great staff members. And again, they've put a lot of time and effort into this franchise and that's why this franchise is successful. But I also didn't want to be selfish on my behalf because obviously, yeah, you know, Hey, don't worry about that. Turn that down and I'll bring you back. And you know, it could have been another four or five months. That's not fair to them. And you know, I would hope somebody would have the courtesy to do that for me. And you know, that's, that's a lot of my, Leadership and management styles, how would I like to be treated? And if you treat everybody fairly and honestly,
0: you know, at the end of the day, that's the best you can do. It had to be some tough conversations with you and the top then. Yeah. uh, You're above. Yeah. With, in regards to that. Yeah. And um, I I think you've already kind of explained to us how you felt, but I'm still going to ask the question. How tough was that trying to, and I wouldn't say barter, but it almost felt like you were probably trying to barter for your employees, you know, and yep. for for trying to get them through this, yep. how tough were those conversations, and vice versa, with each other at the top and you guys?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was. It's always a challenge, you know. And the way I look at it is, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, when you have to terminate somebody, usually that's something that they've done wrong. Right. You know, we always provide the tools to be successful. And kind of our saying with with the South Bend Cubs is, even when we're looking to hire people, is it a will or a skill issue? If you have the will to learn, we can teach you the skills to how to sell seats and tickets to scan tickets to work in concessions, sell corporate partnerships but if you don't have the will then there's nothing we can do and that's the hardest part about this is these people had the will they were working hard um and this was something that was out of their control and i think that was probably the part that felt the most hollow for me was they did nothing to deserve this um but where they made it easier at the end is they recognized that this wasn't something that we created either. Yeah. And you know, and when you started to see major league franchises for low end people, then at that point I think You know, you didn't like it, but you you understood it. At the end of the day, you're a business, and our goal is to be here uh, for many, many years. And, you know, I'm hoping to be able to bring as many of those staff members back uh, that I can. And, heck, there are some of those out there that maybe even took other jobs that, you know, I'll certainly reach out and say, hey, are you happy where you are? If you are, great. But if you're interested in coming back, you know you're welcome here so you know hopefully in the next you know 30 to 60 days we'll have a good clear picture of where that'll all shake out and and we'll go from there but yeah that was uh, i think the day was it was friday i think may 24th or april 24th it was friday april 24th i won't that week was the longest week of my life just kind of the dread and the anticipation of doing it um it was long. It was long. And that's kind of where I want
0: to go back to a little bit and at least circle the wagons on it. I know you're, you you probably almost at this point have to just want to uh, let it go out of your mind and forget it ever happened. But let's go back and talk about that day. That day, that week where the world turned upside down. You know, you were telling us about that you were in, is um, it Florida? Or- Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. You guys are getting the rings. You guys get told. You guys are flying back home. Are you guys quarantined at that point? Like, what, what happened? Like, give me, give me the rundown yeah, it, from when you left Arizona to get back here.
1: You go from the high of highs and having these rings and passing them out to the players um, to that night going back to the hotel, seeing everything on the news. The NBA just canceled. Um, now you're waiting. Well, if the NBA did it, you know baseball is not far behind. Right. We wake up the next morning, which is the day we are flying back home, um, Major League Baseball just postpones all of spring training indefinitely. And now we're flying back home. Uh, It was still so new that, you know, you didn't know like how contagious it was. I mean, you didn't really think about the quarantining part, at least getting back home. Right. But then you get home and now you're like, "Uh, okay, you know, we got to stay safe as a family because it was so unknown that people just didn't know anything at that point. And, you know, you're like, wow, we stock up on groceries when you get back. It was just, it was so surreal. And, You know, you're not, you don't read about that in a textbook, you know, there was nothing I went to college for that said, Hey, this is what you do in the middle of a pandemic. And, and it was just one, you had to be extremely flexible and you had to be able, the key word of 2020. And I think pretty much anybody will say this is flexibility and being able to pivot. Yes, sir. You know, we weren't able to really start pivoting until I think it was, mid to late May when some of the restrictions were lifted and you could start doing events uh, of a hundred people or less. Um, again, we're in a huge ballpark, but we thought, well, let's open up the Tiki hut, uh, on a Friday night. We'll sell tickets. We'll uh, give people an opportunity to socialize, uh, but do it uh, from a distance and safe standpoint, but still be able to experience the ballpark. Um, sold out of tickets within 15 minutes wow we ended up doing four consecutive Fridays of that and people again it was weird because people were like hey thank you for doing this we missed the ballpark you know it was outdoors so that was made people feel more comfortable and you know there's plenty of room out here for people could Socialize and, and you know, it was weird because during that time frame, we furloughed a bunch of people. So the rest of us that were on staff was, you know, I was a waiter, I'd never been a waiter before. (laughs) Um, I apologized to every table I had as soon as I walked up. I'm like, I promise you, this I'll do my best, but this is not my day job. Um, and I think it was one of the things the fans saw the front office staff. Doing anything they could to still provide a little bit of excitement and of an experience for people at Four Winds Field, but then they also saw that you know us as as an industry and as an organization was doing anything we could to try to generate any revenue we could to help us through the summer as well. Summertime, I mean, we're we're an off-season business, or or, I mean, we're a seasonal business, and the summertime's it. When you shut all that down, there's not a whole lot of there's more going out than going in. I I can assuredly assure (laughs) you that, but. So was it pretty
0: tough then? I and mean, we'll get to this part where we'll talk about the decision to turn, you know, the South Bend Cubs, at least in this facility, into a taxi location for yep. the Chicago Cubs. But uh, was, did that make it tough then, watching those players in the summertime out there on, yeah. on your field? Yeah, thinking, it was. Man, we could be making so much money right oh, now. Oh, yeah.
1: It was It was great, you know, when we get announced as an uh, alternate site. And, you know, at the start of it, they thought, well, maybe, you know, a month or two in, you'll be able to have some uh, fans come out and watch watch some of that stuff we just didn't know and then ultimately unfortunately it never changed to the point where we could do it um but yeah it was hard because there were days you know you have chris bryant here Uh albert almora here and you know us as a minor league team when a major league guy gets hurt and they come down and do a rehab those are our best days of the year now here i am i have chris bryant in my ballpark and i can't tell anybody that he's even here because there was the fear that people would kind of disregard the safety protocol and still come out and try to get his autograph. So we couldn't even tell anybody that he was here until after he had left, so.
0: I gotta ask. And um, I hate to use a uh, a youngins term or young person's term, but did you fangirl at all over uh, Chris Bryant being on your field there?
1: I mean, yeah, I'd be honor. walking on the concourse and I see him step into the batter's box and I would stop. <laughs> and I'm like, nah, I gotta watch a little bit of this. What and was that like? Oh it my god, it was so cool. It was so cool. I mean, it's you know, it was different in years past. You know, like when you Darvish was here for a rehab, and you know, Jason Hayward and Dexter sure, Fowler. Sure, don't um, just some folks out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But it's like, here we are. We got Chris Bryant here. And He's, even even Albert Almora running around. You know, it was just, it was so cool to see. Uh, Quintana was here, I think, two or three times while oh he was rehabbing. Gosh. But not to be able to share that with the fans uh, was probably the hardest part. And so we'll,
0: we'll backtrack here a little bit and, and get back on. So you guys um, you guys had the meeting where you guys basically disembarked for the season, yeah. correct? Yeah. What was that meeting like?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was one of those things where it's like now the reality's hit. There's no baseball. Um, Again, we kept watching what Governor Holcomb had put in place in regards to the various stages and what you could do and the number of people that you could have. Uh, And based on that, we would just sit around and try to come up with ideas of what we could do. And and then we got to the point where um, we could open up and do some uh, bigger events. Um, Still needed to socially distance, so I reached out to St. Joseph County Health Department and, you know, just kind of ran through the plans. We want to host some movie nights on the video board. We got, like, the largest TV in South Bend. Um, We have this huge space. We got the grass. We have the seating bowl that people could clearly spread out um, and we were able to do up to 1,500 people and wow. the first three of them we did um, we were in that thirteen to 1,400 range and people felt safe and comfortable and again people were thanking you for doing these events which um, was nice that people certainly appreciated it, and they thanked us that they felt safe. You know, we had hand sanitizer everywhere. You had masks at the gate for people that needed them. I mean, it was, it was really a unique thing. And, you know, we tried to replicate as much of what a normal Friday night would be. You know, following the movie, the kids got to run the bases. We did firework shows after those uh, as oh, well. Awesome. So um, it was still a great way to connect with the community. Because unfortunately, there were a a lot of minor league baseball teams out there that really just shut their doors and did no events whatsoever. For us, we made the decision... We're, com- we're a part of this community, and we're going to do what we can. In the very beginning, when the pandemic hit, we worked on a program, um, Meals for Medical MVPs. So we worked with our partners, and we donated food and cooked, you know, I think it was close to 200 meals in which we donated to individual families of, of medical workers to help them out just to say thank you. Um, we did something for the Salvation Army when it was right around opening day and the Croc Center. You could pay $10 to put a message up on the video board, and then that money went to them them Um, you know so there were many things that we tried to do to keep active and stay uh, relevant during the summer but also we used a lot of those ways to help other organizations that were struggling we did a craft beer event um, for 500 people that the money went to help benefit junior achievement and so that was the fun thing is still being able to give back to other organizations it was not just about the South Bend Cubs it was about we're a community asset and even in the middle of pandemic, we're going to do what we can to let the community know we're here and we're here to help. And and, and that was the other cool thing. And then the final movie night, we partnered with Ronald McDonald House Charities um, and we did the movie Hocus Pocus. And it was amazing because I think that night it was 42 degrees and we still had 800 people out here. <laughs> it was a big turnout, yeah. Yeah, it was a big turnout for 42 degrees. <laughs> um, but it helped them raise money for the Ronald McDonald House here in uh, in Michiana. So it, for us, it wasn't, again, it wasn't just about us. It was looking for ways that we could help other organizations that were hurting in our community
0: and that seems like the general consensus of a lot of businesses let alone sports franchises were how can we help our community throughout this process and it seems like you did just that yeah. with the movie night I know we talked a little bit and again I'm getting ahead of myself here but we talked a little bit about maybe some future ideas here and movie nights seem like that's gonna be maybe something that If, you know, we get into the summertime and we're still looming around in a pandemic, is that something that the folks maybe can look forward to?
1: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And even if the pandemic is over and baseball season's going on, we're still going to do some movie nights because people enjoyed it. It was funny. It's one of those things we were talking around in the office like, What is wrong? with it? Why haven't we done this in the past? And it's kind of one of those things you're forced to adapt. I mean, a 70 game summer baseball season is a long time. It's hard on the staff when you're here 13, 14 hours a day that quite honestly, it was hard to get staff to come in on a on a night off on a weekend to do a movie night. But They've been successful, so that's something we plan on continuing in the twenty twenty one, pandemic or no pandemic.
0: That is awesome. We're talking with Joe Hart here on the Longest Road Podcast. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we'll have much more of this interview here on the Longest Road Podcast. Welcome back to the Longest Road Podcast. I'm Josh Williams, joined with Joe Hart. We're at Four Windsfield inside the owner's suite, and we are talking today about Joe Hart's decade tenure here at uh, the helm as president of this team. But more importantly, uh, we're talking about surviving this last year during a pandemic while running a sports franchise team. So let's talk a little bit about um, surviving. So we've already made the plan now. What we're going to do, we've had to furlough uh, employees. We've had to basically close the doors. We're doing movie nights to at least try and bring in some type of revenue. Yep. Are, the, are Are your partners freaking out at some point here?
1: No. I mean, I think that's the number one thing. And I think that really shows the relationship – that we have with our fan base uh, both from uh the individuals and season ticket holders and the corporate side is um they certainly understood um they're like we're here with you we'll stick by you um like, let's get through this together. And, you know, there were a lot of things we did for our corporate partners even without a season, you know, by putting on these movie nights, you know, people are still seeing their outfield billboards and we we're doing a lot of social media. Um, but that, I think that's the number one thing I can't say enough is as much as we we're reaching out to show the community we we're here for them, the community did the exact same thing, showing us that they were here for us. And And I think that's when you know you have a good partnership uh, and a good relationship with your business community and your fan base. Is you know when you got people there looking out and willing to help you as much as you're willing to help them. So it's good to have the partners there that that at
0: least showed support because I'm sure initial thought right you have to be almost freaking out a little bit yeah. in the back mind but them coming forward and say hey yeah. Yeah. We're in this together.
1: We are in it together. We work through it together. We're flexible together. Uh, and I, I think that was the that was the number one thing. And, you know, we have a lot of partners. I mean, again, you know, people like to look to us as an organization for our success. And and I look outward. It's, it's the fans that come out here that makes it successful. It's the business community that supports us that makes us successful. We're just kind of the, I guess, the operators of, of the train that help pull the pieces together. But... They're the ones that provide the energy. they're the ones that help provide uh, financial support and promotion of the ball club that ultimately drives us. and you know and you know, I'm more than happy to be, I guess, the conductor of the train and, and, and I love it and you know there's not a day I don't go to work where I don't think about one how lucky I am to be in South Bend, but two how lucky I am to be able to run the South Bend Cubs organization.
0: You know speaking of running, and, and folks may not be very familiar with what uh, a president of an organization like this does, but how involved in these conversations with you know people in the in the community, whether they be uh, accounts for you guys, um, partners in this? Um, how involved are you directly in those conversations uh, with these folks and reassuring them at that point? Because I mean, a lot of folks in Salp and they hear of Andrew Berlin and they yep. hear of Joe Hart, so there's some always a little bit of who does what. Yep you want yep. to maybe elaborate just a little bit on that?
1: Yeah, I think the, the number one thing for me is um, I'm I'm hands-on uh, in regards to kind of everything that happens out here. Um, the one thing I'll tell people, because I think this is probably the biggest misconception. People are like, oh, you're the president of the baseball team. Well, do you do like what Theo does? He's the president of the Cubs. No, very different. <laughs> very, very different. Uh, I'm... I'm basically on the business side of the operations. We here in South Bend, we don't have any control of what players we get or what guys play. Um, You know, they go out and sign people, release people. We have nothing to do with that. So what I like to say is anything between the white lines is all handled by the Chicago Cubs. Anything outside the white lines is what I deal with. Uh, and I am, I, I go to a ton of speaking engagements, you know, I'll go to rotary clubs, Kiwanis clubs, you know, I'll do that within a 60, 70 mile radius of South Bend. Um, basically, if somebody wants to hear about baseball, I'll be there just asking and them and I'm there. And I think that's the thing I probably enjoy the most about my job is, you know, it, you're not stuck behind a desk um, all day, every day. I am out meeting people in the community and. The way I also like to picture is one I played baseball. I love baseball, so, I, so it's a, truly a passion of mine. But anybody you talk to is, even though they may not like baseball themselves, they have a son or daughter that played. They have grandson or granddaughter that played. So you're always finding some way to connect with people. Right. Um, and really, the thing I take the most joy in is there was actually a guy. Um, I was at the store the other day, and he's you know we got talking about where I worked. And I told him I work for the South Bend Cubs. And he goes, I love going out to that place. And he goes, but I must admit, I'm not a baseball fan. And that right there is the environment we're trying to create. Because you don't have to be a baseball fan to enjoy a couple hours at Four Winds Field. How and big t- was a smile on face? Oh, your it was face. huge. You couldn't see it because I had my mask on. <laughs> um, but... It was huge and you know, he's like, I don't like baseball, but I, I just get that sense of comfort and you know, it's safe and I get good food when I go there and he goes, I'll watch a little bit of baseball. He goes, But I'm there more to socialize and just kinda hang out and enjoy the nice weather. And that's probably the biggest thing. And I think a lot of teams out there and I think Major League Baseball has this problem. I think they make it so much about the game of baseball that they're losing the the people that are not diehard fans. Whereas for us, we got something for everybody. You can hang out at the Tiki Hut. The kids can play in the inflatables or the splash pad. You can take some swings in the batting cages. There's so many things. I mean, if I get a complaint now, it's usually from somebody going, man, I can't watch any of the game because my <laughs> kids are running around wanting to do, you know, the fun zone or the splash pad. And, you know, and I'm like, you know, those are the complaints that I'll certainly take because now it's not, there's nothing to do. Because when I moved here, my kids were probably one and two and a half at the time. My wife would be the first to tell you, going to a ball game, that would have been her biggest nightmare, because the kids aren't going to sit oh, in oh seats God. for three hours. And we've created that environment here. The people don't come here to just sit in a seat for three hours. They're mingling, they're moving around, and that's what you like to see. It's become a um, entertainment hotspots, I like to say, throughout the entire ballpark. That's incredible. And you're know, looking back at the decade that you've been at the helm here.
0: At what point did that really become the vision, the premise of what the mission here? for the South was, would be? It was the first year. First year.
1: First year. First year was, it was more, I'd say, probably 2012, my first year, it was more about customer service. Um, we made a few improvements in, in regards to the physical plan of the stadium, but then it was like the food and beverage was awful. It was absolutely terrible, and we got to improve that. So we took, because I got here so late, the plan was to take one or two things And try to be great at them, not try to do, don't try to do 10 or 15 things. You know, what's that saying? What's the easiest way to eat an elephant? One bite at a time. I say that all the time. I love that. We had (laughs) an elephant here to attack, and the only way to do it was to do it one bite at a time. And that's what we did. And you know, in 2011, the last year in the old ownership, they drew 112,000 people. 2012, my first year here, we drew 189,000 people. And then we just kept going up from there. with our largest, I think it was 2017 or 18, we drew 354,000 people. So, wow. um, but again, it was it was that meticulous way of approaching it. Every year, we looked for one or two things to improve and build upon. Not not 100 because you can't do it. You can't you can't do it. And that's where the staff comes in. Um, everybody has a great idea, but if you don't have anybody to implement it, it just dies as a great idea.
0: So. So we are now at the point where we are surviving summer. We're heading to the conclusion of summer into fall time. Has anything changed for you guys on that front? Is there hope? I mean, again, pandemic is ravaging at this point, but I mean, is there hope for you guys at that point? Is there a light at the end of the tunnel that, you know, Major League Baseball or Minor League Baseball has, you know, presented to say, okay. We can survive this if we do X, Y, and
1: Z. Yeah, absolutely. There's a ton of excitement, a ton of hope. Um, Everything we're hearing at this point now is that there will be a season. You know, obviously, um, you know, there's still a couple months to go. But with the vaccines rolling out, that gives optimism. Um, You know, I realistically thinking, i think our season will probably start first week of may second week of may and go later in the september versus starting into april just to give more time for the vaccines to get out which how now having been in the midwest for nine and a half years i can count numerous games in april that we're playing with snow so if i can start that first week or second week of may (laughs) and i can play later into to september i am more than happy with that um Because really for us, June 1st is kind of when it really kicks off anyways for us. Um, But I think baseball is being prudent in that aspect of don't put a schedule saying we're going to start on April 1st or April 2nd because it's not really realistic. Um, Let's wait a little bit longer. And I think they want to split up. Um, spring training at the big league level. I want, from what we've heard, they want the major league and AAA guys to start normal time. Uh, them leave um, for the regular major league baseball season, and then the minor league guys come in. They don't want 200 plus guys there at the same time. So the minor league guys normally report right around March 3rd or 4th. Maybe now they report around April 3rd or 4th, have their four weeks of spring training, and then we start first, second week. So everyone pretty much gets pushed back a yeah, month. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, and, yeah, there's no problem that's, with that, right? I would much rather have it that way and, and be safe, and,
0: and then let's go from there. We're talking with Joe Hart here on the Longest Road Podcast. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the changes that have happened over the recent, uh, well, longest off-season that you guys have had. Um, but... Moving on up to the east side they go. Welcome back to the Longest Road Podcast. I'm Josh Williams, joined with Joe Hart, president of the South Bend Cubs. We're at four Winds field. We're talking the decade that Joe Hart has now been at the helm and covering uh, his role throughout uh, at being a leader throughout this pandemic, um, leading a sports franchise in a city that needed some help. My goodness, a lot of changes have happened here over the last decade. Um, We've been talking about it throughout this interview so far. And um, more changes have happened on the cusp of even more changes. So let's talk about that. You guys are moving on up in the world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Major League Baseball over this last year is doing some restructuring, and they're actually going to absorb the minor leagues and will operate us now. Um, Our operating body, Minor League Baseball, which was headquarters in St. Pete, is going away, and we're going to be absorbed by Major League Baseball. And as part of that, there were 160 minor league baseball teams that had a major league affiliate. They're doing a 25% reduction. So now there's only going to be 120 teams. Oh, wow. Yeah. Obviously, with that, you know, because of the facilities and the sport and our relationship with Chicago, uh, we were granted one of those new affiliations to continue on with Chicago, um, which is exciting. But as part of that, we're actually going to move up a classification. So we had been considered a low-A affiliate of the Chicago Cubs. So players would be here, and then when they um, went up a level, they'd go to Myrtle Beach. And then they'd go to the Tennessee Smokies, double-A, Iowa Cubs uh, in Des Moines, AAA, and then the big leagues. Well, now we're we're going to switch with Myrtle Beach. They will be low A, so we will be high A. So what that truly means is you'll see a little bit better brand of baseball because at our old level, most of those guys were kids starting their professional careers and quite honestly, don't get out of low A baseball. <laughs> um, so now being at high A, you will see some of those kids that May not just have uh, the talent, not make it to us now. So we'll have a, a higher level of play. It's it's not. I don't think it'll be a massive uh, change in what you see, but you will see definitely a increase in uh, the talent. The other cool thing is for us this year is in 2019, as the low-A affiliate for the Chicago Cubs, we won the Midwest League Championship. And without a 2020 season, those guys didn't have the opportunity to advance. So they will be advancing this year, and most of them should be coming back to South Bend for an opportunity to repeat as Midwest League champions just at a higher level. So we're excited about that, and uh, you know, hopefully we can be the 2021 Midwest League champions.
0: I know you said, uh, starting off with, that you, you don't have a lot to do with the players that are on there, and little to none, in fact, but does it excite you a little bit that you get to have some familiar faces and names yeah. back in the ballpark that may or may not have been part of a special championship trophy sitting in your lobby.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that was one of the cool things this summer being an alternate site. A lot of those guys that were here were guys that played here over the last five years, Adbert Alizé, Miguel Amaya, Brennan Davis, um, those were guys, Braylon Marquez, those were guys that had played with us over the years that now they're coming back. And I think that's why part of the reason that was so successful is they had familiarity with us. They knew the ballpark and the facilities. So yeah, to have some of those guys back to help us try to retain the championship is going to be pretty special.
0: That's incredible. Yeah, That's incredible. So let's start looking forward a little bit more we're in the present day here 2021 yeah you had a good holiday i'm assuming yeah i
1: did it was a great holiday it was a chance to kind of get away um kind of turn off the brain a little bit kind of recharge the batteries to get ready um you know here we are beginning of january you know we still don't have a lot of things finalized yet that'll be happening over the next two to three weeks but you know you come back recharged you know you got excitement you know knowing that you know at this point there's going to be a season so that's good and you know holidays were good and quick but here we are 2021 and you know let's get going we got the countdown going already assuming we start on may 1st we're 114 days away from opening day um if we start a little bit later that'll give us a little bit more time but in our mind the countdown the clock is already going. so you're fired up joe we are we're fired up we're ready, right we ready to go we're ready to go
0: you wish this baseball was starting today yeah well, Oh so absolutely as we get ready to wrap this interview up let's uh, and i know i didn't even put this one on you yet so let's talk about your top 5 moments over the last decade mm-hmm. i mean i feel like that's a a fitting way to maybe branch this out and end and maybe we'll say hello to a part 3 later on yeah. i don't know but yeah
1: absolutely the first the number 1 or one of the top 5 was Opening day, 2012. Okay. Um, It was your first. My very first opening day in South Bend. You know, here we are, less than 90 days from when I got here to starting. And I remember it was one of those things. We were coming out different. Um, The full-time staff, we wore tuxedos. No, you Uh, didn't. We wore tuxedos. That's that's how we greeted people. It was like. You got pictures in the office here somewhere. We might have some. Somewhere. I don't know if we have any frame. We probably didn't. Um, You might have to find it and, you know, fax that over so we can post it. Absolutely. So we wore tuxedos and the ladies wore uh, basically ball gown dresses. And it was one of those things, kind of the the mindset is we're we're here to be serious, but we're still here to have fun. And we did it kind of like it was a movie premiere. We rolled out the red carpet. can't tell you if we won that game or not. I don't have the slightest idea. Um, I don't even remember what the weather was like. I remember it was it was okay and it was decent, but I remember that's the first one is just kicking that one off. Um, the next thing was probably uh, Andrew Velasquez when we were with the Silver Hawks. He was a shortstop for us. He set a record. I want to say it was something like fifty-eight consecutive days, games in a row, with getting on base. Wow! He broke Kevin Millar's record. The guy that was on intentional talk with MLB Network. Um and so that was kind of exciting to have. And actually I remember I took him to one of the TV stations and uh Andrew was on uh intentional talk talking about that with Kevin Millar. So that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was that was cool. Um and then I think the next one was um while it wasn't specific here to the ballpark, it was the night the Cubs won the World Series. Um that was that was phenomenal. Number four, um And these aren't necessarily in the exact order, but when we became a Cubs affiliate, so 2015's opening day, it poured all day long. There were tornado warnings all over. We had Theo Epstein was scheduled to come over and throw out the first pitch. Um, At about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, clouds disappeared, sun came out not a cloud in the sky it was you couldn't ask for a better day especially since they were calling no kidding, it was what? raining all day it was awesome it was kind of like you know uh somebody was looking down on us and the in the in the skies came out with sunshine It was awesome uh and then the last one is uh the 2019 midwest league championship i mean being in clinton iowa um when cole roterer caught that ball in center field to end the game was was just awesome it was just phenomenal
0: if you can describe that feeling into one word but what, what would what would that word be Ooh, and you can't um, use awesome.
1: Yeah, no. Um, rewarding. I like it. You know, um, very rewarding. And it's weird, and it's probably – it's a little different for me to say because, obviously, it was rewarding in the sense that, you know, I wasn't out – I didn't hit a single pitch. I didn't throw a single ball. But just to have – to see where the, the whole organization has come over time and to know, like, maybe what we're doing and getting the fans out to the ballpark, providing the great facilities – You know, maybe we play 1% in a role of helping these kids develop to be their best to compete and win. And, you know, maybe that's not the case. But for us, that's how we think is we're partners with these players. You know, they're not our employees, but we're in this together. When they're successful, we're successful. And if we're not doing our job and providing them the things they need, they can't be successful. So um, rewarding would be the word I used.
0: I believe this is why you're two time executive of the year, correct?
1: Yeah, actually, once in the Florida State League, and now, uh, yeah, I won it, God, it was a couple of years ago here in the Midwest League. So, again, that's humbling to be um, picked by your, your colleagues in your league. And, you know, again, it's. And not just at special. the same
0: location either. This is two, two different places, places yeah. that are world apart, as yeah. you were explaining it to me. Yeah.
1: very much hats off to you thank you
0: is there anything as we close out that you want to say to the fans out there um anyone that supports the south bank cubs uh you know folks we'll be hearing this this is you know going to be released in this month so this january they got a little bit to go to hold on to baseball
1: yep i think i got five words and that's thank you we appreciate you because at the end of the day That's what I do it for. It's, I get no better joy than when I watch a family leave at the end of the night, you know, kids high five at the gate because we won. Um, Parents are happy because their kids are happy. Again, number one in making memories. That's what we go for. Um, And, you know, I've been in other markets where, you know, you do okay and you have some support, but man, there's nothing better than the fans of Michigan and the way they come out and you, you literally get to know them. They put their heart and soul in this too. And, and I think that's, that's fun because they care and I, and that's the way as long as I'm here that's the way this organization will always always be run so for the little boy that
0: grew up in uh, upstate PA not too far outside of, of Williamsport Pennsylvania yeah. what do you think that little boy would say to to this man now or what would you say to that little boy there? I know, that's a, that's a yeah, deep one. That's it is a deep one. one.
1: You know, I was from a town of 1,900 people, one red light in town. You know, my graduating class was 72 people. Um, I think if I look back on it now, I think what I would tell that kid is, um, set your sights to the moon, man. There's nothing that can stop you. I mean, I never thought I'd be doing this in 26 years into baseball and running running a team and associated with the Chicago Cubs. Um but I think the biggest thing I would say is, you know, also um, just treat people the way you want to be treated. I mean, it's you know they say it's the it's the old ancient rule: just treat those how you want to be treated. And unfortunately, you don't see enough of that. Um, and the way I view it, it doesn't cost anything it's just given of yourself. And I think that's the number one thing, but yeah, I I look back at, you know, I I try to think of me as a 10 year old in that little town, you know, and, and it's weird because a lot of kids I graduated with are still in that town. It was very much blue collar factory. Um, and they never got out. And you know, for me it was, I I wanted to try to experience things and I've been able to do that. Um, but it, it, it probably wasn't far off the realm that I would have never left either. It's just, Things work a little bit different, and you get pointed in one direction or another, and you get a break here or there, and and here I am in South Bend, Indiana, versus Emporium, Pennsylvania, but um, a lot of experiences, that's for sure, and I've enjoyed every bit of, of it.
0: I think uh, I might be able to speak for everyone in South Bend, but here's to the next 10 years for you. Absolutely. So-
1: Absolutely.
0: Thank you so much for taking the time and allowing us into your beautiful facility here. It's been a pleasure for to get into to know you a little bit more. I know yeah. we got to have this experience last year. I'm hoping again maybe we we sit down again another 12 months and and see how the road is going on to year number 11.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You let me know anytime. I, I love doing this. I appreciate uh, you reaching out. It's humbling to be able to talk about you know what I've been able to do and kind of what our organization does. Um, yeah, you call anytime. We'll do it. And I look forward to doing it next year talking about post-pandemic hopefully 20 week 21 champions again and but if nothing else just as long as we're talking some baseball
0: oh, i love it joe thanks again thank you you've been listening to the longest road by josh Williams on podcast by federated media thank you for listening and i'll see you down the longest road podcasts by federated media